0: Thursday, welcome to Buddha's teaching. My name is Soti Tim. First of all, I like to pay respect to the triple gems. I like to pay respect to the Buddha. I like to pay respect to the Dharma and I like to pay respect to the Sangha. And hello, everyone. Greetings. Namaste. It's nice to be here again with everyone of you. During Buddha's time, before the Buddha, you know, uh, go out searching. For the meaning of life or whatever you want to call, he was a prince. He lived in a comfortable life, comfortable castle, never experienced any hardship or anything because his father was grooming him and protecting him. He was the his father was grooming him to become the next king and protecting him from seeing the real life outside the castle wall to only let him see the good things in life and not everything else. So as many of you know, one day the Buddha Venture out to the outside of the uh, the castle walls, the kingdom's wall, and he encountered the the four events that changed his life. So the four events are first he saw um, old people you know in the castle. He never get to see old people. His father would always only surround him with young people and most of the time with young beautiful um, ladies to serve him. So when he go outside, when he went outside the castle wall and he see you know, with, with his uh, one of his um, servants, a male servant who was like um, his bodyguard in a way. So he saw old people that is kind of surprised to him. And he asked his servant that, what is that? Or who is that? What happened? And the servant said, that's called old people, uh, your highness. Okay, oh, wow. So he looked around and he saw a lot of old people. So he asked his servants, will I, be, will I become old like them? The servant said, yes, of course, Your Highness, you will be old just like them. One day we are going to be old. We are all aging. No one can escape that. So that's the first shock that he come to realize. that Oh, one day I'm going to be old. Not going to be always like this, you know, young and, and handsome and all, and, and all that. And then they continue on their adventure, on their adventure, and he got to come come across sick people again, he'd never seen sick people so when when uh, then he asked, "What's that? what's going on? What happened to to that person?" And the servants say, "The person is very ill right in in pain. And, and, you know, it's sick. So, at that time, the prince asked the servant again. Prince uh, Goroma, Siddhatha Goroma asked the prince again, asked, asked the servant again, say, so, will I someday get sick like that? The servant said, of course. We are human beings, we all get old, and we do all, we all get sick. And that's another shock. Sort of like, uh, uh, put him down a little bit more. And the third event that he come to meet was seeing people, people at the funeral there's a uh, there's a uh, funeral procession going on and so he asked what happened oh that's dead person that's a dead people and the family is uh you know uh, doing the ceremony and um all that things so people die and that is really really uh you know put some kind of uh, mental um stress on 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 the prince he also he of course proceed to ask his servant will i will i become uh, like that will i be dead like that the servant said yes of course your majesty one day eventually when you get old and you become sick and you will die just like that and it's not just you it's us. It's everyone. World. It's the same. Goes the same way. The prince was so shocked to see those. He didn't know what to say. Right. It was like something that he never experienced. He never heard of. He never seen. So those are three big shock. So. Or they were, after those three events, the prince said, okay,
1: I had enough.
0: Let's go back. And on the way back, they they come across um, asteric or monks. There were monks back then, although they were not Buddhist monks but there were monks back then in uh, in old india already and they w- there were monks in that belonged to different religious groups and especially to uh hinduism there were monks who uh uh practiced letting go back then already in search of uh, the meaning or the purpose of life. Okay. And when the prince saw that, he asked the servant, uh, who are those people? And the servant, you know, told the prince of uh, who the, the monks were, what they practiced, even though it's in Hinduism, or the religion, those are the people who have uh, given up the lifestyle and looking for um, the end of their the the life suffering and what not. After those four events, and the king go back, you know, went back into the castle. From that time on, he become restless. Right, So now he is full of fear in his heart, because he knows now the truth that one day he will be old, one day he will be sick, and one day he will die. So these three facts disturb him so much. he just could not uh, handle it anymore. And he made a decision on one night, the night that uh, his his uh, son Rahula, was born, and while when they uh, celebrate have celebration, he made the decision that he he had to go find um, the end of uh, of of uh, death meaning he wants to go find the answer of why people have to get old why people have to get sick and ultimately why people have to die what is going on he wants to find the end of that right because he said uh-uh, I don't want any of this this is uh not good so in a, in a way he was looking for immortality, okay? He was looking for a way out of death because the event shocked him to the, the core. So that was the night when, when they had celebration after his, bo- his son Rahula was born he decided to escape with the help of his servant so that is the start the beginning of the journey right back then there was there were no many masters and many gurus in all india Okay, who were practicing different kinds of uh, um, relig- religions, you know, looking for the ultimate happiness, right? Looking for the answer to to life, what life is all about, and all that. that is even back then. Okay. So, during that time, there were two famous uh, gurus, you know, in the country, very, very famous, um, who uh, taught people who have a lot of followers, you know, about, um, you know, uh, practicing uh, the, the religion practicing meditation and all that to find peace in life. So he went to one to, to he went searching for for the teacher, for the master. The first teacher that he came to come to meet He was uh, his name was Alarak. That's how we say it. Alarak, Alarak teacher is a famous teacher who have achieved uh, levels in in jhana. Okay, he has achieved levels in jhana that bring peace um, to the mind. So he went to see Alarak and asked him to teach what, you know, it, what uh, Alarak's teaching is all about, about, uh, about the knowledge that he has obtained about life. So Alarak, the teacher, the guru, taught. The prince, uh, sihata, Gorama, His knowledge. The prince was a very smart prince. Within one week, he learned everything alarak, alarak um, guru has to offer. Okay. And he had reached the second level of jhana, and that is the high level that Alara has achieved, had obtained. And Prince Srihattha reached that level within one week of practice. After practice, one week. He asked the guru about that level, about the jhana that he had achieved, and asked himself, is that it? Is that what you know, anything else? Alarak, the guru, said, yes, that is it, uh, prince. This is the highest level of jhana, and you are such a smart person. I have practiced for so, so many years, many decades to get to this level, and it takes you only one week. Can you stay with us and help teach other people?" But the prince was not satisfied with what he learned. He said, no. I'm still disturbed, I'm not clear, I st- I'm still miss something, so I have to keep going, I have to keep looking for the answer that I have in mind. So he decided to leave Alarak, his first teacher, and continue and to search for the next teacher. The next teacher is the most famous in the country. His name was Utaka. So Utaka became his second teacher. During Buddha's journey, before he became Buddha, those are the two teachers that he had, Alara and Utaka. Uttaka was the most famous teacher in India, and he had reached the highest level of jhana. And I believe, if I remember correctly, it's jhana level four. So, the prince went to Uttaka and studied from Uttaka. It took the prince only two weeks to reach level 4 jhana. Okay. So, of course, level 4 jhana is the highest level of jhana. Even in, uh, in Buddha teaching afterward. That is the high he mentioned that that is the highest level of jhana of jhana that anyone can attain it it is at the ultimate place of peace of mind that anyone can attain that is the highest level of jhana but even reaching that level of highest jhana the prince still not satisfied he still said no there's there's still something missing something else is missing okay that even though you have when you go into when he did the jhana get all the way to the highest level okay in the most serene state of mind but one still cannot escape death one cannot still, still cannot escape old age cannot escape sickness and ultimately cannot escape death so all those three questions remain Because of that, he said, No, this is not enough. I have to find the answer. So he bid farewell to his second teacher, Utaka. Even Utaka offered him to stay and to teach his thousands of followers. The Prince Shihata still say no. I have to go. I have to find the ultimate answer to this aging, sickness and death. These are the three disturbances that I cannot uh that I cannot live with. I have to find answer. I have to find the cure for it. So, he left his second teacher, Utaka, to find the answer to all of that. Right? To the most pressing issue he had. Aging, sickness, and death. So, as we all know, he spent six years in his journey before he became the Buddha. He went through all the hardship, he went through all the isolation, the punishment to the body, the strict discipline and all that, trying to find the answer. And after six years' time, then he finally found what it was. Okay. So he finally found what it was. The realization came. (coughs) As we all know, Buddha's teaching concentrate on our mind our suffering right that we all have mental suffering so as the Buddha at that time was looking for the answer the mind, his mind was disturbed he kept looking and looking Right? He keeps looking and looking until one day he comes to a realization that what he was looking for is not out there. All the answer is within. It's about his own way of thinking. Okay? So it's all about his own way of thinking about life about the nature of our physical body and about the processing of our mind that's what it comes down to it comes down to that so he found out who human really are who he truly was. Right? What he found out was an eye opening to him and that is what we call a realization. Okay? So he found out the answer and he found out what mortality or immortality is. Okay, so there are different levels of his teaching as you all may know. The, the, the discovery, the Dharma that he found was that we are afraid of sickness and, of course, death, because we all think that there is an I, correct? There is an I who die As he discovered and later on thought was that the I is impermanent. There is no such a thing as an independent ever or exist all the time I. There is no such a thing. Right? It is because of our clinging to the thought that this I do exist. That's why we think this I will die. But in the ultimate reality as he discovered that there is no I anywhere. See, that is the ultimate discovery. There is no I everywhere, anywhere. Okay? So, if there is no I anywhere, who is dead, and who was born this is the this is the discovery that the Buddha found. Nobody was born, and oh, therefore there is nobody dying okay this discovery is very, very profound and very deep, and not many people can understand this. Okay, The discovery of impermanence, anatta, is one of the most profound discoveries the Buddha found. And it's hard for people to understand. As you sitting there, or walking, or laying down, listening to this, it is hard for you to Comprehend and to accept that there is no I, there is no you, right? Because you said I'm here, I'm am listening. See, there's an I. I'm here. I'm walking. That is why it's. Oh, Buddha's teaching is very unique and many people many people have difficulties understand this and even the buddha himself after he discovered this truth okay he sat down under the bodhi tree and he said wow who can i relay this message to the Dharma that I've discovered is so deep and so profound. Who can understand, who can accept this truth? Because the whole world is looking the, the other way. The whole world is seeing things as there are things that exist. Okay? There's I, there's you, there's me. There's a husband and wife. There's a mother and daughter. There's a car. There's a house. There's everything. That's how the whole world sees things. But for the Buddha, who he referred to himself from that point on as the Tathagata, meaning an enlightened one, but he never, from that point on, he stopped referring to Port himself as I. He called himself the Tathagata, meaning an enlightened one. And that's it. So, because of that profound discovery, he looked around, and he said to himself, "Who am I to, th- who am I to let this? To 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 let no." them know about this discovery. Who can understand this? This truth is is too deep for lay people to understand. So, because of that, he sat under the Bodhi tree for quite some time. Okay. He didn't know who to 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 tell but of course later on he decided okay i'm going to give it a shot okay now he recollected he said well the two teachers that i had alara and utaka they were well learned people. They had reached high level of jhana. So maybe they could understand what I have discovered. right So of the Buddha went to see his teachers, Utaka. Unfortunately. Uttaka passed away one week before the Buddha arrived. So, the Buddha stood still and said, Unfortunately, the master, the guru, could not receive the Dharma. So, he decided, okay, so go to see the other teacher, Alarak. And again, the same phenomenon happened. Alarap also passed away, just the week before the Buddha arrived. The two teachers were gone. The well the well-known, you know, well-educated knowledge in the dam in in in, in uh, Jhana and you know, they passed away. So after that, what came to his mind were the five friends who went along with him during his journey until the end. But at the end, when the Buddha started eating, so the five friends abandoned him. Okay. So he said, well, let me go to see those five friends and among those five friends was a person who was his teacher also when he was in as when he was a prince inside the castle that was his teacher who taught him the the math and the science and all that back then in the castle. That teacher was one of the five people who followed the Buddha into the forest. So he went to see the five friends. And his teacher was named is Kandan Kandanya. There may be different pronunciation, okay, but it's very similar to what my pronunciation is. Kandanya. He went to see the five friends and explained to them the Dharma. okay on day number 1 after the first day of teaching his teacher kandanya understood what the teacher what the buddha thought. kandanya was the first disciple who reached enlightenment Okay, Kandanya was the first disciple who reached enlightenment. That was when the Buddha said, oh, wow. It surprised the Buddha, even the Buddha. This Buddha said, oh, wow. Kandanya realized the truth. This is so amazing. Kandanya had Attain enlightenment. Okay, and he taught for five days, and the other four friends reached enlightenment one day after the next, one day at one per, per person. The five days sermon, the five days teaching that the Buddha gave to his five friends. All five of them attained enlightenment, one at a time, one per day. Okay. So, that's the story. And what did the Buddha taught? teach? The Buddha teach about Nama Rupa, Right, or the five aggregates, right? And nama means the Dharma and Rupa is form or body. Dharma, nama, okay, nama. Is all about the mind. Okay? So the Buddha thought that who we think we really are as human beings is comprised of this physical body and our mind. That's what it comes down to. That is his teaching. Okay? No longer about anything, any, any imaginary stuff, anything. He's teaching about who we truly are, the physical body and the mind, the mental process that is going on in our head, within ourselves, not the nothing out there because this is what everything is happening. Is within, not without. Okay. Is everything happens within? What who we think we are is based on what. For the whole world, who we think we are is based on our perception is based on a concept how we see things how we, see, how we hear things and we identify ourselves with this when the, the discovery says otherwise the ultimate truth of who we are is that everything is impermanent this is stream of impermanent phenomena. The physicality and the mental process. It keeps going and nothing is fixed. Nothing is permanent. We are always changing. There is no stopping. Okay. There is no stopping. The minds are always changing. The physical body is always changing. There is no fixed point that you can hold on to, cling on to, that, aha, that is me. That is who I am. There is no such a thing. The whole thing about I is just a concept. Okay, the whole thing about I is just a concept. And because we misunderstand that and because we as humans develop that concept, we cling on to that concept and call that concept as an I. I am this and I am that. And because of that, I am... Young, I am beautiful, I am old, I am sick, I am happy, I am sad, and eventually I die. You see? It's all the stressful thinking. It's all the clinging that we have. The clinging to our concept, to our perception of the world. When in the ultimate reality, the Buddha said, there is just these six senses that is based on consciousness that give us the, the, the sense of self, a sense of who we are. And that is the sense that we hold on to, we cling on to. When we cling on to that thinking, to that ideas, that's what causes us suffering because we don't know the ultimate truth. So the ultimate truth is impermanence, non-self. Nothing really, really exists in the ultimate sense. But consciousness enables us to experience at a conventional level, which we call the world. Which we call the universe. You see, most of our suffering, most of human suffering, has to do with our mind, has to do with our mental faculties. Right? has to do with I it's the I who suffer ok the I is the one who suffers who has issue. but once you discover that there is no I then who suffers unfortunately we all have that I and because of that we all suffer we all cling to the very idea to our ideas to our opinions which is based on our desire right based on our craving you see and that's what leads us that's what leads the teaching to, when the Buddha taught, the three poison. It's because of our illusion illusion, of our delusion, of the truth. The I live on desire. We live based on the desire. Based on uh, craving, based on uh, clinging, because we believe there is an I. We cling to our ideas, our thoughts, our opinions, our experiences. Okay. So when we cling on to this, and other people cling on to theirs. Of course we all experience different things. Because we are small little creature on this planet. There's so many experiences that is happening that is going on. We have taste a little bit of life. On one corner of the planet, other people taste a little bit of life in a different region of the world. Everyone has a little taste of life. And they cling on to it. That That is that, that's, all to it. And now they have this I versus you, you versus me. And people develop identity based on that perception. Now they have nationality, they have family, they have countries, and when their experience don't agree with each other. They go to war. Even in families, just because your family, because your husband and wife. Remember, we all grew up in different households. Even we live in the same country with the same religion or the same culture, we all were brought up in different environments. We all have different likings and we hold on to those experiences that we had. And if I if your experience happened to match with your partner's experience so you can live harmoniously but most of the time we all have different experiences and a lot of time people cling on to their own ideas and opinions and you have clashes and you have arguments because of our clinging to our own experiences What we are not aware of is that we are this little particle of life we are this little manifestation of life. We get to experience this little part of the bit the whole manifestation okay you have you taste a little bit. I taste a little bit, other people have a little bit taste to it. We all have different tastes of life. Okay? And we all cling on to that. We do not recognize that those are just life experience that we come to encounter. And there is no "we," there's no "I. See, consciousness enables us to experience this. Consciousness has no biased opinion. Life underneath life energy that enable consciousness to emanate and to experience. The different things through the senses has no bias, is pure. But as we develop into this world, the world of this physicality, of this physical world, the world that has needs. The world that needs constant maintenance drive us into delusion, drive us into argument and drive us into conflicts. Remember the three poisons Greed, anger or hatred, and ignorance. Right? Those three poison our mind because we are ignorant of life. That's why everything, when the Buddha taught, it starts with ignorance. Avicha. Ignorance ignorance is the core of suffering okay avijja ignorance because of ignorance we develop greed we develop cravings and there's so many kinds of cravings and craving leads to anger and hatred because when we don't get what we want, we turn angry or we get upset, right? Or we become sad because our desire is not met. You crave for your husband or your wife to do certain things. You crave for your children to be successful people, to become doctors and lawyers. That's your craving. You crave for your family to be rich, especially your children or you yourself. Okay. And when it doesn't happen the way you want, the way you crave. The issue. You think that if your children do certain things or your husband do things like this, like this, like this, it's the best way. The best way to make things work is how they become rich, right, become powerful, become famous, and all that, to have, of course, your intention is good, you want, especially, let's say, for your children, you want them to be successful, so you push, study hard, work hard, do this to that at work, to get promotion, to get high salary, and all that, right? And when they don't listen, you become upset. See, even though your intention is good, quote-unquote good, because you want them to be successful, to have a lot of money. But when they don't do what you want, you become mad. See, it's your craving. And you try to explain to them, you try to 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 uh, guide them or whatever but this is but it's a guidance or a teaching that is based on desire when the teaching when you're teaching you teach you teach your children your brothers and sisters your whoever but to do whatever even though you have good intention but the idea behind it is based on desire. You're asking for issue when desire is not met, which is most of the time that's what happens. Desire, your desire is not met. There's issue. And many times not only that it backfires on you when you try to push or you try to impose your very own idea on to other people and other people meaning children they are also people okay Remember that they are also people, your children, your siblings, your brothers and sisters. They have their own mind. And when you impose certain things on them and they don't do what you like, it can backfire in a bad way. And from there, you know what happened. Heated argument, anger, hatred, and all that. Okay. So, that's what I'd like to share with you all today. You've got to learn to understand who you are. You've got to know about your own mind. You got to know your mind, your own mind. What it's doing? What is it causing? Because you this and nobody else know what your mind is thinking. Doesn't matter what activity you do. You walk, you sit, you drive, whatever. You are with your mind and your mind is thinking all the time. What is it thinking? What is it craving? Is it wholesome or unwholesome? Okay, watch that? What kind of emotion that you have? The sixth remember your mind which is comprised of your thinking and your emotion they work together okay as I mentioned before your heart is where your emotion is generated okay and your five senses are the conductors who bring in information and triggers and experiences from from the outside world to your sixth sense which we call mano in Pali language. M N I mean M A N O mano. Your mind, your inner mind, the central processing. Mano decide the, the feeling, the emotion, the hate, the love, the anger, the, hate, the and the jealousy and everything in between. That's where the emotion is created. That's where you want to watch. Because this emotion, when once it's created, it sends signal to the brain where the memories is stored. And the brain does the thinking. That's where the thinking mind is. Okay? So the brain, the thinking mind, is doing the thinking according to what the sixth sense Mano is ordering them to do signaling them to do to love then the brain thinks the love way the the different kinds of thought that has to do with loving whatever the hate or the anger when it generated inside your sixth sense it sends a signal to the brain to the memory and your brain does that kind of thinking and it's a train of thought that keeps going thinking about negative thing. You see the thing between the two? So watch the operations. Okay? Until next time, Namaste. <laughs>